This is Women's Tech Radio, a show on the Jupiter Broadcasting Network interviewing interesting women in technology, exploring their roles and how they're successful in technology careers. I'm Paige. And I'm Angela. So Angela, today we're joined by Jewel. She is the co-founder of WorkFrom. It is an amazing website that helps remote workers or people who just want a space to, to work and sit down with a laptop, find coffee shops and other places that they can, you know, just get their work on. It is a fantastic interview. But before we get into it, I just want to mention that you can support Jupiter Broadcasting and our efforts in women's tech radio by going to patreon.com forward slash today. It's a subscription-based support, and uh, you just donate the amount that you can, patreon.com forward slash today. And we get started by asking Jewel to tell us a bit about herself and work from. Currently, I am a co-founder of Work From. We are an online resource for remote workers. So you can imagine freelancers, business travelers, digital nomads, um, anybody who doesn't like to work from an office or gets lonely when they work from home. Uh, so it's kind of part search engine and, and part social community. Um, and that takes up all of my time at the moment. So no other life. No. <laughs> yeah. Not really. Yeah. Um, you know, in the, there'll be a few days where I get a break and, you know, I still love to shoot photography and try and get outside. But yeah, we're from definitely my baby at the moment, all consuming up at all hours of the night. Yeah. Never sleeps. <laughs> yep. I mean, that is part of the problem with having an online business, right? Yep. The, the joy yeah. and the pain. I mean, it's, it's exciting because you'll be, well, I'll go to bed and I have this bad habit or good habit, however you want to call it, mm -hmm. of looking at my phone and I'll get on Instagram or something. And like, that's when the other half of the world is, is busy. So at the beginning, I found that I was connecting more with people like in Kuala Lumpur and India than I was connecting with people just in the States. Cause during the day I was busy and not on social media. So it just kind of gave you that, or gave me an interesting perspective of, of who's out there and what a global community looks like. So, I mean, that's a pretty good overview of work from, I have to say, as a remote worker and kind of my own style of digital nomad, I have used your product several times over. Yay. Well, okay. You might know it because you've used it before, but like, and you described it, but I don't know exactly what is it like, is it to prove to your employer that you're working or no, like, no, is... that's where I was going. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm sorry. I was, I'm helping you with that segue page. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful segue. <laughs> um, so essentially like my favorite part is that you kind of, you type in, you go to workfrom.co uh, sign up for a profile and then you're like, hey, I'm in Portland and I need some place to work. Uh, I need some place. I'm cool with something that's, that's public. Um, I want to make sure they have reliable Wi-Fi wi and um, it's quiet. So I kind of select these filters and then bam, it pops up on the map and there's like ratings that other work from people have gone in or they've recommended it. Um, some places even have discounts for work from members. It's really cool. That is really cool. Yeah, it's just phenomenal. Thank you. You did a great job explaining it. Thank you. Um Yes, it, we are at the the heart of it, a really easy way to find the best places um, for all the reasons you just shared and how you can dial it in. I, I like to think of it sometimes like as a matchmaking service, because sometimes you're just in a different kind of mood or you have a different kind of work you need to do. And or maybe you're just bored of going to the same places. So it's a really fun discovery tool in Portland, since that's where we live. We also do weekly meetups, um, which have become really popular because people like to get out of their neighborhood or explore a new part of town. And we've had a lot of people be like, you know, I've just never been to Mississippi or Northeast Portland or, you know, Beaverton. You know, this is really cool. Thanks for getting me out. Um, so there's there's that side of it, too. It's it's more ad hoc, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it really is impressive how you can end up in such a rut. And I, that's why I love having discovery tools like that. Yeah. I, 
and you know the fact that maps for some reason maps for me are just so visual that like the mm -hmm. overlay is so important and I, I love that you guys really make good use of the map with like oh this is the area that i like this is the area that i'm not used to well and if you're scheduling different meetings you'd be like geographically it makes sense to have my first meeting here and then my second meeting there and then like yeah it's great oh my god i love that you just said that <laughs> we we had a hack day on friday we'd been so busy with like i don't know business stuff and growing the business and yada yada that we just didn't feel like we were able to sit down and work together like we had in the past and so we got together and just didn't know what we were going to build at the beginning of the day, just kind of an old fashioned hack day. And at the end of it, we came out with this kind of forecast, um, a dashboard, if you will, that really just forecast your day. So you can interact, you can connect your calendar and see on a map where you have to meet. So then you can find the places around where you're going to have to be anyway. It's not like released to all the the people right now. Um, it's in a, a nice private beta, but yeah, so cool that you just said that. Cause that was really, you know, what Darren wanted. He's my business partner and the guy who, started the website in the first place. And that's how we met working in a coffee shop. He was like, yeah, I just, I want to see where my meetings are. Cause he has to have more meetings than I do. <laughs> so it was a lot of fun. Yeah. That's really fantastic. I, I don't know. I love meat space. Yes. As we call it. <laughs> Very cool. So you started in Portland. Yes. But as you mentioned, you are now worldwide. How, how has that journey been? How has it been to, cause I would imagine when you got started in Portland, you and Darren could kind of do a lot of the work, feet on the ground to find places. And, you know, you knew people who were going to be recommending places. Like, how is it to be in places you've never been? That is a great question. It's torturous. Um, you see all mm -hmm. these great places all over the world. And you're like, I just want to go there. Can't yet. Uh, so, no, it's it's exciting, you know, joking aside. But yes, when we started, um, kind of that story about how Darren and I met was working in a coffee shop. My girlfriend was just in code school at the time. And so she was like, let's go to the pie ladies. You know, there's this great meetup. And I was like, fine, you know, in our PJs. And this guy's like, Hey, can I take your picture? I'm working on this project and I want to add this place. And begrudgingly I said, yes, cause I hate getting my picture taken, but mm -hmm. I'm a photographer. And so I was like, karma, <laughs> you know, yes, fine. And we started talking and he had this great vision and I loved it. And, and we kind of went from there. But one of his first questions was, you know, do you have any great recommendations? And I was like, oh my God, I started lift listing off I don't know, 50. <laughs> I just mm -hmm. had like the whole city of Portland I have mapped in my head as coffee shops. And I'd been wanting to do something very similar in the past because I've been working remotely for, I don't know, 10 years at that time or 12. So yes, when we started, we had the recommendations just even between us and all the people he'd been meeting in coffee shops, you know, and, and that. And since we were working that way, it was really easy for us to, to amass. And we kind of went international accidentally. When we started, we certainly had conversations around, do we want to grow vertically or do we want to grow horizontally? Like, do we just want to focus on Portland or do we, you know, spread out? And we decided that we were just going to focus on one city at a time. That was kind of our idea at the beginning. Um, and Darren, I don't know actually how it happened. If it was the hacker news, we got some early, you know, love off of that. And we were also featured on this one website called fucking homepage which was hilarious at the time because it like brought down the site because back then we hadn't done anything to optimize performance. It was just, <laughs> you know, just still a side project in some sense. And so we had people sending in their recommendations. And at that time, it was an email process. We didn't have any database set up, no mm -hmm. automation. So we had, I don't know, a hundred or more emails from people all over the world who had discovered us via either one of those 
other websites saying, I want these places added. And we were like, crap, <laughs> this is going to take. Oops, we went international. Well, we'll just say we're not ready yet, but when we're ready, we'll add those places manually. Like, right. Just that sounds like a great idea. And then <laughs> we we decided to launch Seattle because we could just drive up there and add places. And then we had this wild idea to go on tour because I always wanted to be in a rock band and go on tour. So we uh, we set up this this travel plan, if you will. We went to New York and D.C. and Austin and um, San Francisco and essentially launched those cities when we were there. Um, and how we had done it is we had some early fans in those cities. And so we brought them, you know, some swag and, you know, had some drinks and, you know, only two or three people in each city, but it was a lot of fun, very intimate. And when we were in DC, this one woman, and I cannot remember her name, but she gave us some amazing feedback. And she said, the value is really that I can use you wherever I go. So if you are only focusing on the verticals, you're going to lose that mass appeal or you're going to miss that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so shortly after that is when we figured out a way to essentially open up the site to have suggestions and recommendations all over the world and still have these kind of more highly curated cities. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially where we are now. And so now now people that use you have an app, I imagine. You, I imagine too. It's amazing. I imagine too. Okay. Well, so can we do have one in beta? It's, oh, okay. It's public yet? Yes. But it works totally. Like you're totally mobile optimized. It works fine on my phone. Yeah. Thank you. I like to say it's no down. You know, no download or no install necessary. Just to steal Salesforce's old tagline. Um, but kidding aside, the mobile app is is in the works and it is so much faster um, than trying to do the website over the phone. So that's really the advantage. But so now people that use it, they can they can still submit. And is it more of an automated process now, or do you, are you still just getting an email deciding if you want to <laughs> add it and then manually entering it yourself? No, it yes, it's automated. Um, Great. No, we don't have to manually enter it. We still have to manually review. Sure. And there's a whole QA process that we've We've been iterating through trying to build enough automation to make it easy to scale, but not so much that the quality is at risk. Right. Um, and we've been, we just have a, a new advisor who was an early employee at uh, Foursquare. And so he's been just recently giving us some advice too and insights. And apparently we're not the only ones who struggled with that that challenge. Mm-hmm. I can imagine there's a lot of crossover with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is really interesting because we, we had this interview a little while ago with... Um, with Paige Hendricks from um, Client Joy, and when they started, they were using just a a Google form. And you know, you got started in the same way, where you're just like, I've got a website up. It's it's a great website, but really, I'm just doing a lot of stuff manually. It's static because I'm just taking emails in and like. And actually, the interview we had last time, where they mm-hmm. had, you know, they're outsourcing their database. Like, there's just so many ways to make a technical startup work now that like just from the ground up. Yeah. I mean, it, it, as long as you don't need sleep, I think you can really get <laughs> anything going. But yeah, the, the lean approach is really great, um, especially up to a certain point, because it allowed us to test things without having to invest a lot into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Darren and I, you know, neither of us come from money. I'll just say it. You know, mm-hmm. we're kind of part of that wealth gap uh, challenge that a lot of Americans have and people all over the world. So we didn't have the luxury, I'll call it, of being able to really architect and and build out an an entire product before launching it. And where in the past that might have been a challenge and and a 
yeah, a challenge for many to overcome. Now it's actually an advantage um, because it means you don't even have the option of of accidentally going down kind of that old antiquated waterfall approach, which means you get early feedback and early traction. And it allows you to to make those small adjustments and really refine and design as you go, which is what everyone is saying you, you know, they wish they could do or are trying to do. Um, and when you don't have funds, you know, you don't have any other options. So it's great. I mean, you know, what is it? Necessity is the mother of invention. I like that. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it, you kind of just have to make it work. Mm-hmm. I have two questions. The first one is, do you have a built-in rating system for like how good the Wi-Fi is or if there's a password required or things like that? Or is it at this point just like this is where you can go because they have a, a table, chair and Wi-Fi? I should have a great answer for that. I, I would say it's a little in between. So when you add a place or if you want to update a mm-hmm. place, mm-hmm. you can take a speed test inside of our, our oh, app or cool. the web app. And so it, it adds that. That's a good way to do it. Thank you. It really is because saying, yeah, it's bad Wi-Fi, that doesn't really mean anything. Maybe there were like 50 people there and it's, you know, it's just draining it. But if you actually show the speed test, then people would be like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, from a, from a user perspective, like... I'm in a, a city I've I've searched and it's laid right over the picture of the coffee shop. It's got up down Wi-Fi. Bam. Fantastic. I love it. That is great. Okay. The second question is when I was in college, we would, well, my college was very focused on group work and we always had to meet somewhere. And of course I was the outlier, you know, 30 miles North of the college, but uh, we had a hard time finding places that would have Wi-Fi. Have you thought, or has, or it does your, I don't know if you have, I don't think you have a marketing department, but <laughs> have you thought about marketing to colleges? We have. Uh, Faye, my partner who has been helping out with marketing, she has really advocated strongly for the student population. Um, we had an, our first remote intern actually was a advertising major out of Missouri. Happened to be my baby brother, but he got the <laughs> internship because he's very qualified. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had worked on some, you know, kind of flyers and really outreach ideas around getting engaging students. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we did a, a hackathon, um, it was like a product hunt hackathon. We kind of partnered up and did one not last year, but the year before. The folks that really got it off the ground were, I want to see University of Portland students. So we've We've certainly heard that, seen it. A lot of the folks that come out to the meetups, you know, periodically are students as well. Um, so yeah, great. I think even though we call it the the workers and that's kind of the the momentum of carrying it forward, the thinking is, you know, students become mm-hmm. and, and are a part of that uh, global workforce. So absolutely. That is great. I would say generally your target market is remote workers. How do you feel about remote culture? Like, I think it's it's kind of changing a lot of things lately. And I think it's been interesting because we, we had this big blow up, probably right as the recent recession hit of remote work. And then there's kind of been this pullback. And it mm-hmm. seems now like we're on a trend up again. Like, how has that affected you? What do you think of remote work? I mean, you mentioned that you had been remote working for over a decade before you even started work from. So just at a, at a high level, I would say, even though I call it remote work, uh, a lot of people define work in many different ways. So it can go... You know, while the majority are certainly folks sitting in laptops or working on their phones or making phone calls, um, there are folks studying, reading, um, crafting, even doing their art. What you define as work, I think, is is a personal item and doesn't necessarily need to be the work that you're doing for money. So that said, just because it, is, it really is a large umbrella, we were seeing a trend in the tech space of, you know, technology companies saying, hey, 
you used to be able to work remote. You can't now. I think the largest one was, I think it was Yahoo, Mm -hmm. um, had a new CEO and, you know, in interviews with her, she had said, not me directly with her, but in the press, um, she had said, you know, it was really to help create a culture shift. It wasn't necessarily, I don't trust people working remotely. It was, I need to change the culture. And I don't think I'm going to be able to do that if they're not in the office, um, because to change is hard and to change an entire company's culture, um, is, is really challenging. And so I, you know, even though that's easily taken out of context and there were a lot of buzz articles around, Oh, you know, remote work is going away in, in hindsight, I I can understand why someone would want to go through that I just can't even imagine at this point, you know, having that many employees. Yeah. I mean, and when Maris Meyer came on board with Yahoo, it was a, it was a big problem. There were a lot of problems in the country, uh, in the company, and a lot of them were endemic and she was fighting a huge uphill battle. So as much as it was like, oh, are you heralding the end of remote work? It does make sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But there was a lot of blowback where people thought that it was going to kind of go away. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think people thought it was because of the remote work style. And the good news for us is it put the remote work style into like the common vocabulary. A lot of people still didn't even know that that was a way you could work. And we're seeing with kind of this, I'll I'll sort of blame it on or say it's been inspired by this kind of simplified living movement that's, you know, I think always been around in a certain portion of the population, but is certainly gaining steam with millennials. There's, you know, hundreds of articles out there, if not more of students saying, you know, they choose the freedom to be able to work from anywhere or a flexible work style over, um, even salary. So just as a, as a global culture, people are becoming more, uh, wanderlust, if you will. Um, but even though we might have these groups, you know, like the folks that call themselves digital nomads and just travel all the time, full time, even the people who want to have a home and a family and have a house and be stationary for the most part, still want the ability to work outside the the normal nine to five. And, you know, with all the ups of, you know, it taxes the, uh, you know, environment less. I don't have to spend all that time in traffic. Uh, mm-hmm. It's less of a germ fest, you know, mm-hmm. all these, all these reasons. I think it's, it's important for people to feel like they have a sense of independence in their life. Yeah. It's, a, it's such an answer to so many questions. Um, You know, yeah, me, for me, it's been, oh, I can travel all over the country. I spent two years living in an RV, traveling the country and still having a full-time job. But it can also be an answer for someone like Angela, who's got three kids and can work in the hours that the kids are, you know, at school or in daycare um, and then later in the evening. But because she doesn't have to follow a nine to five schedule, it works. Right. Absolutely. And oddly enough, when I was working for a consulting company in the Bay Area, you know, everyone in the company was a working mother, like almost everybody. Um, And so it seemed like, well, that was just kind of the norm. And even all of our corporate clients where folks might still have to come to the office for the most part, like corporations always had distributed teams anyway. They had offices in different cities. So even though the people in those different cities might've been going into an office as a, as an organization, they were remote and distributed. And we've had software, you know, for decades, just trying to solve that problem. And so you can take that problem that, you know, organizational distributed organizational units were faced with and just apply it to, okay, now our organizational units are, are people of one, you know? So I, I don't think it's necessarily a new challenge in terms of how do we work remote? Cause that's, we've been facing that for a long time. It's just now more and more people are being introduced to that and have that opportunity. I think the challenge becomes how do we build community and how do we manage remote? Managing remote. Yes, I, it's it's certainly a great topic, and it's funny because having 
done it for so long. I took a job, I don't know, maybe five years ago now in an office, nine to five, amazing, amazing office, amazing people loved it. I only lasted a year because I just couldn't go to the same place every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but on top of that, when I came in, I realized that I didn't know how to manage in person <laughs> because <laughs> I've been managing remote for so long. So it was a really interesting experience and just to have the tables turned a little bit. That's fascinating. Cause like, I've always heard, you know, the skill set the other way around, but that, yeah. And actually I think my boss had a similar situation where she, she lobbied a bunch to have somebody in the office with her. And when we hired that person, it was a huge transition for her because our team has always been 100% remote except for her. And but so like managing the person who was in the office became weird for a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a question. So you had mentioned that somebody's helping you and they used to work at Foursquare. And I was thinking that it might be cool to be able to check in using work from, you know, like so-and-so just checked in on work from. In fact, it's you, there. You can. <laughs> you can. Oh, yeah. Okay. Good. We call it we call it clocking. Um, clocking. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's know. adorable. <laughs> it's perfect. Okay, good. Hey. I'm sure it's gonna get even better once the app's out. Yeah. yeah people, people have even asked, you know, can I clock out? And we're like, well, you know, for now you can just clock in whenever you want to be known that you were there. That's what I was thinking. At the uh, my most recent job a couple of years ago, they made a um like a, a, a rebranded Facebook for the company, an internal Facebook. Mm-hmm. And people could clock in work using work from you know like and and clock out would be great too yeah yeah wow there's a lot of room because you can imagine you know you're on the distributed team if you are a manager and even if even if it's not about well i want to keep tabs on you because i just don't trust that you're working um it can be incredibly helpful to know oh i have so many people in this one area so if i do need to do an impromptu meeting or i do want to throw an event a social hour it's a lot easier for me to just see that and make it happen so exciting yeah seriously (laughs) every interview we do i'm like i want to do this like this is great i want to do something great like this and i am but (laughs) you are so how has the journey being an entrepreneur been for you at you know coming out of um i photography and art art and all these digital and non-digital art and i mean you've got a background that doesn't scream i'm gonna own a tech company that great question i think where I grew up in a really small town in, in Nebraska, Howells, Nebraska, in the middle of nowhere, as we like to say. And in that space, I never knew any other world than to just make your own job. Uh, I was a paper girl when I was nine. I went to door to door selling greeting cards in the hopes that I could get enough points to get the telescope out of the you know gift book. And then in high school, eventually you have to get a car because there are no jobs in that small town for, you know. A, a teenager. So, and what happened to me, I was very lucky. A lot of my life has been of no doing of my own, just other people giving me great opportunities. And I guess being, um, unimaginative enough to just always say yes. Uh, I had a math teacher who just kind of handpicked me out. I was a freshman, really shy, still kind of shy, uh, mm-hmm. and said, Hey, I, you know, join us, you know, be on the the, the senior math team come to these events and that was really great. And then from there, she heard about this event happening um, in another town that was to learn HTML, learn the internet. Um, and we had, we might have just gotten computers in the school that year, um, or maybe it was just that summer because uh, we actually had typing on typewriters and it was the time when school where you had to learn how to type because girls mm-hmm. were secretaries. So 
we, uh, so I went to that class. I got my license, learned HTML, loved it, built a website for the library. Um, as a senior, I taught other kids in high school how to program their own web page. And I made a, a, a website for the, the high school and it was going to be the best thing ever. I thought it was going to be a scouting tool. All the high schools could put up their sports stats because small towns are all about their sports. And then I went to college and forgot about the high school project and just reached out. I just kind of went to the college um, website and just, you know, scrolled down to the bottom where it says, you know, webmaster at and emailed saying, Hey, if you need, need any help, would love to work with you, you know, on the website. I did our, you know, my hometown's website, you know, look at me, pick me kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I was lucky enough to, to have gotten the job. They put me in the information system department with a bunch of really old school computer folk. So here's, you know, the people that have been really built a career around building software. Um, I just knew, you know, HTML and somehow we worked together to build, uh, some really cool, innovative apps, if you will, for the school. Like we had the first online class registration system. Um, we built this little site that was, you know, intentioned around getting feedback from students and and stuff like that. So even though I was really doing, I wasn't the one building the database portion of it. And I really had no idea how that worked. I kept trying to find people who could tell me how this was all going to fit together. So I took a lot of computer science courses, even though I was in the art school. And then one summer, my friends all got to go study abroad. Um, and I say got to, uh, I didn't, I couldn't afford it. And I was feeling very depressed and pity, self pity. And, uh, my mom reminded me that I had an uncle in Portland, Oregon, where I had never been to before, uh, with a web company. And he was in need of a, you know, design intern for the summer. He was going to build a brand new website. And I chatted with him and he sent me out to Portland and we hit it off. And it was just kind of all history from there because I did whatever it was I was supposed to do. I can't even remember like in a week. And I was like, well, what do you want me to do now? And the two guys that were kind of architecting the site said, well, do you want to learn PHP? And I said, yes, (laughs) do I want to? So yeah, I I learned PHP and MySQL and I... uh, I had a, like a couple months where I went back to Nebraska to kind of close out my affairs and say goodbye to my boyfriend and all my friends. And uh, it was funny because I did a little contract work for the IS department at that time. And I came back and I was like, guys, I get it. I know how this all fits together now. And we built like a templating system on top of the database. And it was really exciting. But I, I left that behind to just follow the internet, if you will. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that answers your question. I feel like I kind of rambled, but... No, that's great. That's a great story. Yeah. So I am curious. What what were you doing when you met Darren? Like, what were you in between jobs? Were you just freelancing? What were you doing at that point? I was working for a startup that's based in New York City. Um, they were great uh, working in the Internet of Things space. So mm-hmm. really exciting just from a, you know always wanted to build robots, but as a software person, you know, not sure how to, how to get there. Um, we had an application and they're still around today where you can go in and it's kind of like an API of APIs, if you will. So you can go on the site, figure out which APIs you want to, you want to connect to each other. And then it creates a little snippet of code that you can put on your Arduino or your Raspberry Pi, or now they work with like Texas instruments and stuff. And so it's a really way to a really great way to just quickly rapid prototype 
yeah, things that connect with the internet, smart, smart devices and internet of things. So I was working with them as a project manager, interim product manager, and was, was kind of towards the end of my having fun there. There was just a culture shift. I wasn't really happy about, um, some key people had left. Uh, and so when Darren started talking about his vision of, Hey, it wasn't, I want to build a website of coffee shops. Um, even though that's kind of how it, you know, that's how you pick up the person working in the coffee shop. He really expanded into, you know, wouldn't it be cool if you came in and even if it's a place you've never been to before, like you just feel like it's your space, you know, cheers, or maybe there's a locker and you can put your bag in there and, you know, take a break where it's really just about the community. And it just resonated so strongly with me because that's what I was feeling like I was lacking um, in my position there was that I just wasn't in a role where I could really connect with the community anymore. And I was starting to feel a need for that. And so here's this guy who's like, I want to build this community. It's all about the community. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> uh, that sounds great. So, yeah, I do. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest pain points for remote work mm-hmm. is that community piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, even if you're, you know, shy or an introvert like me, it's really, it's still nice to every once in a while when you want it to be able to go out and get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't have to be in your face. You know, you're not forced to have it all the time. So it's, it's really great because you can really dial in the amount of, of social that you want, but we do find that everybody wants at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. What, what tool can you not live without on a daily basis? So I'm going to take a stab. I might be answering this incorrectly, but I think from my experience, it's so critical to have something that excites you. So, and to, to have time for it. So even if it's just, you read a magazine, you know, a month, um, or I'll make myself go out and Instagram or just take some photos, um, without it needing to be anything more than just fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of resources, I think the, the reason I have a, one of the reasons I struggle just answering that is I just am not a very consistent person. Like I don't live in routine. It's, it's for me, it's always about something new or something, something different. So it's like, I can't ever go on that same hike multiple times. I'm constantly (laughs) having to go on a different one or, uh, and so for me, that means, you know, I might take walks in different neighborhoods or even take little drives in different, different areas, or I'll read, sites that I've just never read before. And my partner's like my news agent. She reads the internet all the time and then she kind of filters out what's interesting, but I don't even necessarily know which sites she's getting them off of. So I don't know if, if that really works, but, um, I think it's really about what, what speaks to you and what interests you. And, um, I've never been good at kind of following the crowd, if you will. There there might be that great book and everyone says, you should read this. And I'm like, eh, why? I mean, at this point, everyone's talking about it. So do I really need to read it? I mean, you've told me what it's about already. So (laughs) no, I I actually really relate a lot to that. I think having something in my life, especially I do, I don't run a startup, but I do run, I I head three different nonprofits uh, because I like myself a lot. Um, and, uh, having some way to kind of unplug and feel passionate about anything like is really important to me. Like I have that, you know, I usually, for me, it's a lot of, it's fiction reading or, um, you know, I try to get out to some sort of meetup that I'm not running at least once in a while. (laughs) Yes. Um, but that's, you know, that's really key is having 
you know, giving yourself space to still be passionate because passion is what drives us. Yes. Yeah. Especially if you're yeah. burning a candle at all sides. And it might be like, I'll play the guitar, you know, for a night or go do karaoke. You know, it's just, what? it's, it's the, I know. I love I for, karaoke. I almost forgot about karaoke, but it's there. It's on the list. I can't find a partner okay. to go with me. What? I just have to say the karaoke, like, it's happening. So I'm not from Portland, <laughs> but I showed up at like random bar karaoke in Portland and I was like, I can't ever sing in Portland. Like everyone is like, <laughs> why do you not have record contracts? Like, <laughs> so I, I enjoy listening quite a bit, but mm-hmm. it's crazy. It is fun. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Jill. This has been fantastic and we look forward to following the journey from work from. I personally recommend it and I use it all the time. So uh, yeah, that's great. Thanks so yeah. much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Women's Tech Radio. Remember, you can find links in the show notes at jupiterbroadcasting.com. Use the show dropdown, select Women's Tech Radio, and then you happen to have the entire back catalog of Women's Tech Radio. You can also find us on iTunes, email us at WTR at jupiterbroadcasting.com, or follow us on Twitter. We're HeyWTR. Thanks for listening.